Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Loudwire Podcast. My name is Graham. <laughs> and as you can tell from that voice, we have obituary for you today. But not John Tardy. Not John Tardy. We I gotta got, act in his place, I guess. We've got Don Tardy and... Terry Butler. Yes. Uh, the new album, Obituary, is a monster. It's a damn good one. Especially if you like your death metal, just meat and potatoes. Just absolute violence. It's obituary. I mean, you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. It's another great chapter of the band's history. So we talked a bunch about that. We talked about the very beginnings of obituary. Uh, the first time hearing John Tardy doing that insane voice, which really he pioneered and no one's really done it since. He's just a swamp monster. Yeah. So the first time hearing that, you know, it's either you go, this guy's an idiot <laughs> or like... <laughs> Or, or that's this the is sickest genius. thing I've ever heard this in my is, life. Yeah, this is the heaviest, most disgusting, awesome thing I've ever heard. There's no adjectives to describe John Tardy's voice. Yes. Yeah, you know, as obituary like to say, they are the cavemen of metal, and that's the quintessential caveman voice. We also talked a lot about the state of touring these days because obituary split up initially. They were kind of sick of touring. So it's like, now that you're touring more than ever, What's your stance on that? You know, is do you have the reignited passion? Obviously, they do. They're not split up again. But bands don't really get many days off on tour anymore. If yeah. you're not headlining, if you're a support act, you have a day off, you're playing a headlining show of your own. A lot of these bands are going sometimes upwards of a month. So obviously, that's going to take a mental toll. So we discussed a little bit of that. What's the mental state like from the first day to the last day there? For sure. And... For this edition of Rocker vs. Writer, we tackled the heaviest song ever written. Obviously, a band like Obituary, they know a heavy even when they're tuned to E. So it's not necessarily about tuning down to A or even further or even just having gutturals. So you might be surprised what a band like Obituary might choose for the heaviest song ever. And for those who don't know, Obituary's first album, Slowly We Rock, was recorded in E standard. They yes. downtuned after that one. Yeah, exactly. So being heavy in E, not the easiest thing, but not the easiest <laughs> thing, <laughs> but very doable. That was a rough one. And uh, another thing for you, did you know that Don Tardy played in Andrew WK and was on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, he was the drummer on I Get Wet. So you'll hear a lot about that too. Pretty mm -hmm. interesting stuff. Yeah. All right, everybody. Obituary is in our studio. Get ready to sit down. It gets you up. Sitting next to us here, we've got two members of Obituary. We've got Don Tardy. How you doing? And Terry Butler. Hello. So now you know what the voices sound like and you can keep it all together. <laughs> so... I've been dying to get you guys in here for a long time just to tell you this. I have a habit of being a little bit of a jukebox tyrant whenever I go to bars. I it's called being an asshole. <laughs> it's called that too. Um, I tend to lose bars a lot of business, and here's why. Whenever they have an internet jukebox, I always put on Chopped in Half as soon as I walk in. Awesome. And <laughs> guarantee... Yeah, touch, touch tunes. tunes. You're touch tunes, I mean. Yeah. You're it's guaranteed always... to clear the room with that song. Thanks for that. <laughs> so great. give myself a little more elbow room. But it always tends to get skipped about 30 seconds through. And I pay, <laughs> I pay the extra credit to have the song play. I've probably spent more money on the jukebox than my bar tab a yeah. few times. 
but I confronted a bartender one time about these lost credits and to see how they were going (laughs) to compensate me there. And she's like, well, I rely on tips and (laughs) a lot of people just walked out of my bar. So I'm going to keep skipping your songs. And it's not a metal bar. right? (laughs) Yeah, it's not a metal bar. It's just a casual (laughs) bar. So it's either like immolation, acid bath. Jezebel tends to play 10 True. times louder than anything else that's loaded into the touch tunes library. Right on. So yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Cause I that, that have awesome. so much fun doing it. That's great. I like to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're here to talk about your new album, obituary self-titled album. It's out now on relapse. And anytime a band has a self-titled album later in their career, it's usually that they're trying to make a statement about something. So what was the intent here with just stripping it down to the essentials, calling it obituary? I don't know. I don't, I don't think there was a intent. I don't think there yeah. was much like discussion. It was kind of a easy decision that, you know, we saw the album artwork from Andreas Marshall and we knew these songs were just some classic yeah. Florida death metal. And uh, why, why put a five worded yeah. title yeah. across that, you know, that beautiful piece of artwork. And uh, plus, you know, after Ink and Blood, you know, there's no way you can top that artwork. So we're like, hey, let's just strip it down a little bit, pull it back, and mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah. This is obituary. Yeah, I think, um, I think it was the day everything became nothing. Have this album called Brutal, just their logo, white background, tracks one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. <laughs> That's tro- totally stripped down. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah. You know, one thing that we noticed lately, uh, looking at the uh, the upcoming dates for Morbid Angel and Suffocation's tour. Uh, we noticed that Suffocation, when it comes to even with the off dates on this tour, they have zero days off for like for 26, about a month. Yeah, I think it's like 26, 27 crazy, days. Which, especially when you're playing such brutal music. Yeah. I mean, putting all your energy out there, it must be incredibly tiring. Then you go back into the van and you're, you know, with the guys. And yeah. I mean, we wanted to know a little maybe more about the touring industry because it seems like, man, why would you want to play every day well, for a month? I've done that in yeah. a band I was in in the past. And we, you know, do 25 shows in a row, which, you know, it, it gets brutal. It's, yeah. Your body starts to break down and stuff. But, you know, a day off means no money's coming in. Yeah, but you need sure. to recharge every now and then mentally and physically. Yes. So we'd like to have a day off about every fifth or sixth show, you know. Yeah, we were looking at your uh your shows and you it seems like pretty normal, pretty healthy just to have yeah. a day or two where you just go oh, you have to God, to regroup, to, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but is the touring business declined in any way to, you know, make you have to put yourself out there more? Well, the music industry itself, I mean, you don't sell sure. records anymore, so Yeah. Yeah, it's all you touring. Know, this revenue. is a business when you get right down to it and you're only making money on the road, you know, yeah, your merch sure. and shows. So, I mean, you know, you, you unfortunately do have to play more shows now than maybe you did 20 years ago. Mm, you have to hit you know? that same bottom line, I suppose. Just, but yeah, man, that I mean, just seems. I mean, you know, we have a nice tour bus and it helps, you know, you get a nice bunk to sleep in and That's all that. Good. But it does, mm. it does wear you down, you know. Now, Don, what's your take on this? Because you've been in the band the whole time and it was said that Obituary initially split up in 97 because you guys were sick of touring was yeah. it really the market that dictated that or is it just you needed time off? i think it's just just the music industry you know it's not like we said we're we're splitting up you know we just we did it for quite a few years and it you know you slave to it you know you live it you live out of a backpack out of a 
hotel mm-hmm. room, out of an airport, out of a van, out of a shuttle, out of a bus, always on airplanes and told when to go to bed and wake up and when to get on stage. And it just wears on you, beat you up a little bit. And uh, so we just took a, a break. You know, we kind of just took a step back. And at that point, you know, children were being born and families were being had and dudes wanted to come home and be normal for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we did that for a little while, you know, and, and looking back, I think it was blessing in disguise. Just go back, recharge, regroup, re- realize how fortunate we are and how lucky we are that we actually can do it for a living and play music and, and, and it be our job. And, uh, and right now we're, we're very fortunate and lucky and we know that. And that's why we're out here and we're busting our asses the way we do. Yeah. It seems like a lot of bands could benefit from maybe just taking like three, four years off, decompress and spend some time with the family and then get the itch again to go do this instead of have it be a little bit of a grind. Yeah. And we never put a, we never put any kind of timeline on us. You know, we put albums out when we're, when we're ready to, we allow the songs to find us and take our time writing them and, uh, and, 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 and tour for it and really support the record because, you know, you put your blood, sweat and tears into it for sure. And, you know, especially with this new album, we could not be more excited about it. Just the songs on it and the, the production and everything. It's just it really hit it really hit a home run on this this record when it all came together the way it did. Definitely. It's it's so damn catchy. Well, when you're talking about like having 25 days on tour, what's what's your mental state like? from the first date compared to that 25th date? Oh, the first day is completely exciting. You know, yeah. you're on the road, you're promoting your music and, you know, you're playing music for fans to see the reactions. Awesome. But by that 25th day, you're like, Hey, I want some home cooking. I want to be in my own bed. I want to pet my dog. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's, it's probably, you know, it's the challenge of we're on the 24th and 25th show tonight and tomorrow, our last two, but it always ends where they are super important shows like yeah. tonight at Irving Plaza obituary is going to destroy no matter how beat up you are how many yeah. blisters are on my thumb how tired you are from a month on the road you still have to bring it and um these are Absolutely. you know every night every night is just as important as that first one so it's a yep. uh, we're really looking forward to to tonight and uh, and seeing the New York fans for sure sold out by the way yeah absolutely <laughs> Lucky Real hard holders. getting tickets to that show, <laughs> even like with us in the in the yeah. in the industry. Like when we're just like, yeah, tickets, tickets, tickets. This mm-hmm. one was like, no, that's like, oh come on, <laughs> almost like, didn't happen. Yeah, well, we got taken care of. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Thank you, relapse. <laughs> we wanted to know uh, the very beginning of obituary. I, I can't imagine that first time hearing John do those kinds of vocals and. It could have been the reaction, like, what the hell is this? Depending on who's listening to that kind of singing for the first time, because it really didn't exist. So it would be either like, okay, this guy is out of his mind, or this is brilliant, we need to stick with this. Can you tell me about that first time that he went into that room with yeah, you guys? Yeah, I mean, the reality is, is, like any other band, we were just kids, and at first we sucked. <laughs> and the music was silly and you know we were didn't know what we were doing we were playing half metallica covers and trying to write our own stuff and again okay. it was just stupid and john john was basically there in the room when me and trevor were trying to jam and uh me and trevor were trying to get all serious about being in a band but we had no singer and john's like well until you two fools find somebody i'll just grab the mic and mess around yeah and uh and the joke is you know we never really found the singer so john's still here (laughs) (laughs) but you know but then yeah it seemed like overnight we went from kind of 
music. We didn't know where, what direction we were going. And John's voice was still very lost. And it seemed like overnight, he all of a sudden just came into the room and and he did that growl like the the beginning of Slow Barat album on Internal Bleeding. And it was just that typical. And we were just were like, and it immediately like song style and songwriting immediately took that same direction and we and we started writing the slowly album that quickly and uh i don't know how it happened i don't know what john did that night going to bed or waking up in the morning but it went from not sure what he's going to do to that classic voice and it has never changed since so it really was just like damn okay this is it yeah it was it was an overnight kind of thing where we're just like okay he found it (laughs) he's been looking and now the whole style of the band changed a little bit uh it seems like when you guys started listening to celtic frost who was the first person to introduce that to everybody else in the band? I think, I mean, Trevor was, he was so into finding records and, uh, and, and vinyl. And, um, you know, before we found that Trevor, how always had his black Sabbath and his iron maiden and his, you know, to, he, the albums that, should. yeah, everyone yeah. had it. I and mean, that's what we were jamming to and grabbing broomsticks and air guitar. And, and, uh, it was that Hellhammer album. I think, oh, yeah. I think Trevor and my brother went and they found it at one of the stores in, in Apocalyptic uh, Tampa. Raids. Yes. Yeah. And the minute that needle hit that thing and you listened to the beginning of that album, it changed it changed it all. Yeah, like I knew what direction everyone it, did. Everybody knew what direction metal was about to go and uh and obituary was kind of we were just not trying to, but it, it guided us in that direction. It's yeah. a different feeling back then. It was all new and fresh when you would hear something like that, you know, like oh my it was like you had to make sure your parents didn't hear it, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> Oh my god, this is completely evil and dark, you know. Let's get into some rocker versus writer here. The rockers, obituary, the writers, Joe and Graham. <laughs> uh, so we figured the perfect topic with you guys would be the heaviest song of all time because the definition of heavy is very personal, very subjective. And as guys who have made incredibly heavy music in E, we want to know what you think the heaviest means and what's your choice for the heaviest song um i'll let butler answer this one man yeah. <laughs> are we talking heaviest obituary or just in general just in, in general, general. Okay, for me probably it's sign of the southern cross by black sabbath Ooh. sure I've, sabbath That's needs one to of be the darkest the heaviest evil songs and then on top of that you got an angel singing over it yeah <laughs> for sure i don't know to me that's one of the heaviest songs i've ever heard yeah you some know. days mob rules is my favorite sabbath uh, we album listen just to because a lot of that of, song yeah we listen to a lot of dio and era sabbath absolutely yeah anytime we're doing our our what we call rock and roll rock and roll warm-up you know is uh before showtime it always seems to include ronnie james dio yeah. blasting mm, on the bus and some uh, format. nothing like getting the blood flow preparing for a show and listening to a cla- something yeah. classic that heavy too you know mm. You know, again, it goes back to that word heavy. It's heavy does not mean a thousand miles an hour. No, heavy means feel no. and just feel, where you, you can feel it go down your spine. Yeah. And uh, Sabbath and, yeah. and and Dio just, it, it was right there, you know. Yeah. yeah, I had a friend who had a pre-show ritual. He would jump in his car right before they went on stage and he would put on Neon Nights. And you could hear it in the parking lot, his windows are up. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then as soon as the song ends, he hops out and yeah. grabs his bass and goes on stage. Oh, that's Toby then. That's Toby, <laughs> yeah. exactly <laughs> where he's coming from. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I'm gonna go with a different Sabbath song for uh, heaviest song ever. I mean, 
It's got to be Sabbath, right? Yeah, that I guess that'd be my pick if you. <laughs> yeah, my my one pick that I remember once. Uh, well, Joe and I went to college together, and we were in a slightly altered state. Let's say we turned off the lights and put on Black Sabbath, and I don't think I've ever been more terrified in my well, that, life. Yeah, just the complete freak out coming <laughs> over the, me. That was the fortieth anniversary of that album. That's that day, it? right? Yeah. Oh my God! Really? Yeah, it was. To, yeah. Oh, that is totally the beginning of metal for me. I mean, that that song is definitely very evil and dark. And I mean, I can imagine being a kid at, you know, in 1970, putting that on, freaking out, you know, because, (laughs) oh my God, what is this? (laughs) I think I was transported back to that age in that that moment with the screams and Ozzy's, no, no." Satan's coming around the bend. Yeah, I almost... I almost had to run out of the room. It was like getting so crazy. But uh, my pick is actually going to be Into the Void. And I think when Zach Wilde was on the podcast, he even said that was the heaviest yeah. song ever. The heaviest? Yeah, he's like, you can play that song on acoustic. It's still it's heavy. Definitely. Yeah. That's yeah. a creepy it's song. That's a, yeah, just yeah. that Absolutely. lurching riff. And, like, you guys have seen Sabbath live, I'm assuming. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so they when they play that song and then just like geezer's like foundation yeah. cracking bass I, with I, that, it's I think back like what were they on back then? What were they taking? <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. Yeah, I mean, is that some marijuana groundbreaking cocaine. crazy stuff? You know, I mean, the guitars turned on ten and just cranking out riffs. You know, it's mm. like wow. There's a story in I think it was Doom Let Loose, uh, history of Black Sabbath, and they said that Ozzy disappeared for a few hours and he went out in the woods. And he came back with all these weed plants in his arms, <laughs> and he threw all of it in the fireplace. Oh. So I don't know if that's they might have gone into the void, and maybe that's where that yeah. came from. <laughs> I have to ask Geezer; he wrote a lot of the lyrics. But yes, uh, who's got a heavier tone than Iomi? Oh man! Well, I'll tell you who's to me probably has, in my opinion, one of the best guitar tones ever in metal is Trouble. Yeah! Wow! Trouble. Okay! Yeah! Love Trouble! Oh man, their guitar tone is sick. Yeah, always has been, even from the first record. That record's extremely heavy, by the way. Yeah. Well. Tempter, Assassin. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, Iomi's the master, so. Yeah, I think the the closest I've heard, and perhaps even surpasses... I know where you're going with this. Maybe even surpasses Iomi's tone is Matt Pike's tone. When you go and see Sleep Live, you know, he's just got a stack yeah. of speakers multiple heads yeah he's got that les paul on his hand and just something that has to do with his pedals and the exact amps he's using i feel like his tone may surpass iomi's in the heaviest it's in the fingers too it's just all uh, everything the way the guitar the wood of the guitar the tone the way you pick the way you play your fingers everything there's to me i don't think i've heard a heavier guitar tone yeah. live than when we saw Sleep at House of Vans. I mm. really, that just absolutely melted me crushing, into the floor. Definitely. I mean, yeah. But then you've got, oh man, if you want to talk about heavy, we're again, suffocation. Again, I think, in my opinion, the purely heaviest band I've seen live. I don't think I've ever been hit by a brick wall well, in terms of live, if like you're at Irving Plaza tonight, a freight train's gonna hit you. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, obituary. Like, in half. Trevor's guitar tone is very distinct, and uh, when you yeah. hear it, you know it's him. So he's got a killer tone as well. Yeah, so. obituary is totally yeah. in the conversation. But I mean, we saw suffocation <laughs> in a bar playing to like uh, yeah, 20 a dive people. bar in Stanford. Yeah. Right on. It was 
I don't know how it was so empty. It was just one show. It wasn't yeah. even a tour. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't yeah. know. I haven't seen Chopped in Half Live. I was at MDF in was it 2014 mm-hmm. with Demilic and Amorphous and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys didn't play Chopped in Half. <laughs> and I was like, ah, I just need to hear that song. Well, so you might get I, may, I may not have seen the heaviest yet. <laughs> tonight, <laughs> yeah, tonight you might. Good. Like, who would you say maybe a live show that you saw maybe in your younger years or maybe even your older years that was like the scariest band band that made you feel uneasy <laughs> wow i mean i remember going to nasty savage back in like 84 mm-hmm. i was like 15 mm-hmm. or 16 at a small pub called ruby's and back then there was no pits you know it was all head banging fist banging up yeah on the, you know but I was in the front row and they had flash pots going off everywhere and I was puking my guts out because of smoke from the flash pot. Oh, it was like the most mayhem thing in the world, you know. But I was like, wow, this is something something new and killer. I love this. So you spewing <laughs> everywhere made it one of the scariest Absolutely. shows well, ever. Well, I mean, you know, as far as, you know, being scared at a show, I don't know if I ever have been, but, you know. Well, scared for your life is Besides going to yeah. Gigi Allen and scared that I was going to get shit thrown on my live? face. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how jealous I am. Yeah. I'm a Cuban huge club Gigi. anymore. I think it was a Cuban club. I was way Damn. in the back for certain reasons. Well, yeah. I, I would not go anywhere near that stage, for yeah. sure. Uh, was there uh, bodily fluids involved that oh, night? Oh, yeah. The show didn't even compl- I don't think Beautiful. the show even finished, you know. It got, it got <laughs> shut down. Insanity broke out. Every <laughs> single show you watch on YouTube with Gigi Allen. Every show always gets cut off early. Yeah. He's never finished a show in his entire mm. career, I don't think. It's, I think I've heard a statistic that he finished only a handful of shows yeah. after I mean, playing hundreds. You never went to see the music. It was always to see what this... Because yeah. forever he said he was going to kill himself, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, on stage. Yeah, no so less. that was why you went, you know. <laughs> see if he, that was the night see if he that he would kill it. himself. <laughs> I think he said he was going to kill himself on Halloween, yep. but then he kept going to prison every consecutive Halloween. Mm. Until, so maybe it was, he said he was going to do it, but then I think he eventually he OD'd, I think mm. before he ever took the stage on any Halloween. That prison thing seems maybe a little calculated. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. Well, mm. but it's like, hmm, yeah, I think that when he died, he actually played three songs and it was like insane. So the whole place like cleared out. Oh yeah. I've seen that footage. Yeah. Like then that. he went and, Went with some dudes and found some heroin and died that same night. I think. Yeah, but, that yeah. was fun yeah. times. I think that was in the Lower East Side. Yeah, he died right. Oh, what's that bar? He died right know. next to this bar that I always went to. Uh, Idle Hands, oh, yeah. a place called Idle Hands in the Lower mm. East Side. And I got told by somebody that he died next door, and wow. I was like, Oh my god! Like, <laughs> but yeah, big big Gigi fan. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to the term heavy, a lot of people like evil music it's hard to kind of truly be evil these days but is there a show you've seen or a band that really kind of epitomizes evil to you we just we were lucky enough to we were having to leave grass pop i think it was or hellfest and uh we were lucky enough to me and butler literally ran before the van made us leave to head to the airport and we got to kind of sneak to the back side of king diamond's um, oh. show. Yeah, we saw a couple. And songs. so we got to watch, like from the side, some of the wardrobe yeah. changes and stuff, and uh, Ooh, it was yeah. sick. It was, awesome. was it one of the Abigail shows? Yeah, he was oh. doing the whole album. It was a festival in Holland, I think it was. That's Fort yeah. Rock or something. Yeah. yeah, 
It was cool. It yeah. was it was cool because we we knew we weren't going to get to see it because yeah. of the schedule, oh. and we were mm. on our way yeah. to the airport, and then couple people were still lagging and we looked and the tent was about a football field away and we were like yeah. you know let's just run yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't wait for us let's just go over there real quick and yeah. check it yeah and uh sure yeah. enough it was it was awesome yeah we're it, big merciful fate king diamond fans of yeah. course gotta be definitely love king diamond i think the most evil show i've ever seen is probably behemoth i don't think i've ever seen any more anything more blasphemous live mm, got a behemoth shirt on i right got a behemoth shirt on now <laughs> did, you, did you plan that this morning what's funny is he, no i know those dudes i've toured with them They're yeah like the nicest quietest dudes yeah I yeah <laughs> I, we interviewed nergal and we yeah. were just talking about how much we love judas priest and we were how, talking about turbo actually we're talking yeah. about turbo and how the gayest priest songs are the best priest songs <laughs> <laughs> except hot rockin well no that's a killer song though <laughs> i like, I like hot rockin yes oh, i hate hot rockin I like I Even mean, better I, video. Oh God! <laughs> where, he throws, like, where he throws the water on the rocks in the sauna. <laughs> I like some of Turbo, but you know. Yeah, Turbo Out gets in the cold, a bad locked rap. in. Those are That's good songs. That's okay. Those are good songs, you know. But of course, the title track is amazing. Private property can go. Parental guidance. Oh, like I love guidance. side one of Ram It Down's awesome. And actually, yeah, Blood yeah. Skies on side two. Mm. Hard as iron. That's killer. That's like a pre-painkiller kind of way they were gonna go. You mm. know. Yeah. Some of that. But, but if you ever see someone. I mean, Joe, you've seen both Behemoth and King Diamond. Like, yeah. what what epitomized evil better in your mind? Uh, two different sides, because one's fantasy yeah. with King Diamond, and then the other one is obviously legitimate Satanism, Satanism with yeah. Behemoth. So, but King Diamond, he yeah, there's he something really, to be said about he believes in that. He yeah, no, yeah, he is yeah. too so for sure. Yeah, totally. Well, like the story of Abigail. I don't know. There's something about creating something on your own instead of taking something that's already established and yeah. still making it evil because there's so many w ways you can go wrong and make it sound corny yeah i mean king diamond was more of the um storytelling kind of ghost stories and that yeah stuff. but merciful fate was definitely more about satan satan yeah, yeah. don't break the oath <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. yeah he's like the walt disney of metal for me almighty Just satan you greatest, are the one yeah. the great creator of all You're things only living fantasy. on borrowed time mm. yeah for sure <laughs> all right everyone that's rocker versus writer let us know what the heaviest song ever is in the comment section below also want to give a shout out to chopin uh concerto number two mm. aka the, that's funeral, what the march. funeral march is yes. in there i think that's the heaviest song ever period if we're not talking about metal <laughs> because it's just a little part of a concerto and then they're like hey this is so evil let's just make it the theme of death mm -hmm. and play it at every funeral uh so, so moving on to happier things yeah. <laughs> um, very happy indeed don let's talk about your time in andrew wk and even appearing on saturday night live sure amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was it was a. Uh, it was going back to when Obituary kind of just took a quick break and everybody was doing their thing, but I just, I only know how to play drums, so I was still just playing and practicing, and I got a, a letter in the mail from a young dude named Andrew, in pencil, written, and, uh, <laughs> and he just kind of said, Obituary is my favorite band, I love your drumming, oh, and wow. I would love for you to help me, and he sent me the demo, and uh, it was uh, obviously a complete mirror opposite of what i was doing for my career and uh, say so. and it grew it drew an interest because it was different and it was kind of a uh, challenging and completely opposite what i'm comfortable with and that was uh it was a cool thing to take on and uh, and of course he ended up being a super cool dude and a really good friend of mine and um i saw it go from just kind of a concept to 
gold record and thousand miles an hour in a spaceship feel, you know? Hmm. And, uh, yeah, we did. We got to, we got to play a lot of cool venues and events and, uh, Saturday Night Live was, was one of those, uh, moments where I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty unbelievable. you know, when you're sitting there, I remember sitting there in the room, the whole band was in there and most of the band members I put in the band, they were just friends of mine from Tampa. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so a lot of them were very green, never been on tour, good musicians, but never truly toured. So I'm sitting there and it, I'm reflecting on it as we're in Saturday Night Live. And, you know, it was that pivot that pivotal moment where the door opens the guy with the headphones on he opens the door real quick and he says five minutes guys and he closes the door and you know you're just like holy shit five five minutes till we have to step out live and he's like and by the way there's 11 million people watching tonight (laughs) and i look over i look over i look over and one of my guitar player buddies that's in the band he's making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich (laughs) five minutes before and i said frank i'm like frank what, what are you doing dude he's like I'm hungry. <laughs> Here I am. You know, you you couldn't the nerves. You you can't even describe it. Just knowing that, you know, you're you're on TV. You're, it's mm-hmm. live. You know, if you mess up, they can do. You could do another take for the West Coast feed, but you drop a drumstick or your pants fall down. It's live. Mm. <laughs> Hard to imagine pants falling down while you're sitting. But. Yeah. Well, you know, well, when you shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the mindset? I mean. Was there any difference really just playing a, you know, your standard show versus knowing that 11 million people are watching on yeah. TV or are you just, I'm a professional, I'm going to nail it regardless. Well, that, that was it. But there's definitely, you know, with, with Andrew, it, it was the first time, uh, that I had to experience running the band and, and playing with in-ears and playing to a click with backing tracks and keeping focus no matter what. And mm-hmm. anyone that saw Andrew live knows it was not just a normal show within one minute of the first song there's 55 people on stage and and, you know with gas masks and holding each other up (laughs) and pulling each other's pants down so that's hard enough to focus on the song but to play to click and focus while that was going on is is crazy so Mm -hmm. yeah the saturday night live i just kept remember thinking to myself just focus don't get off time don't get off time don't get off time (laughs) i can't honestly cannot remember one second of the performance just because you were so <laughs> so nervous machine like yeah. and you can't i can't mm-hmm. remember one second of enjoying one beat <laughs> do you remember who hosted the rock the, you had the wow. that was that's the rock why, show that's Damn, why that that's why one. they knew that's why they knew how many people would probably be watching because he was the highest rated um episode this season before oh so man. when he the dude's like five minutes before your performance by the way probably about and we're like oh man <laughs> thanks dude Thank thanks you. for telling me that now what do you know about pressure <laughs> yeah like they couldn't I tell you after like good job like by the way like yeah. 11 million people are watching <laughs> yeah that was yeah. cool though. They treat you nice over there. It was it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. Mayor was Giuliani here? was there. Oh, got to shake wow. some hands with some some cool people and uh, all the cast and you know they, it was a little bit tight security, but we sure we were able to sneak around and and, and meet meet a few people and shake hands. So it was it was a fun experience. What is an what is a party with Andrew WK really like? <laughs> you know what? I, I I experienced Andrew from the very get-go when he was extremely young and didn't know really um, when it came to party. And he just was a very positive, mm-hmm. excited, cool, happy-go-lucky dude. And then he t- he turned it into uh, wanting to party, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not a part of the influence of that. I have my routine and have 
have been in the business long enough to know keeping parties uh, to a, at bay before my show. Yeah, but sure. uh, I don't know. I got you know. I left Andrew after just a few years of jamming, and then uh, they still move on. And 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 a lot of this party, and from what I understand, gets pretty intense. But I I wasn't there for the beginning of it, so for Andrew sure. was still a tamed mm-hmm. lion when I was in the <laughs> really. <laughs> And now he's everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, hey, we want to thank you guys so much for stopping by. The new album, Obituary, a killer, killer record. You can pick it up now. Check it out. Thank you guys again. We appreciate right it. Right on. Appreciate Thanks for it. having us. All right, everyone, and that was Obituary. Fun, fun podcast with those guys. The Andrew WK stuff was pretty bad. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. You know, that he's such an odd dude. So I guess just getting any sort of insight onto Andrew WK. Yeah, it's anytime somebody asks you, what does Andrew WK do? You're just like, <laughs> he's Andrew WK. Yeah. That's what he does. And, you know, performing on Saturday Night Live, a guy in a drummer in a death metal band, getting onto Saturday Night Live's stage. It's, like, not supposed to happen. Yeah, like, it's insane enough that you made it in this successful band playing this brutal music. I mean, in the early scene, when you think about it, there's only a handful of bands in the entire world that were making music like this. Yeah. So to be able to go from that and get the recognition from there, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool, you know? Like, I feel pretty satisfied with my life. And then a couple years later, you wind up behind a drum kit on Saturday Night Live, and you're going, (laughs) how did I... Go from how did obituary lead me here? Yeah, that's a great. That's that's just an insane success story. Yeah, I don't know if any of you out there have ever heard any of those really old Andrew WK demos that were recorded way before I Get Wet. I'm assuming the stuff that Don was sent, but it is like some of the most rough, weird, like kind of music that you might assume that you dismiss right away. I mean, I've heard the really really old version of. We want fun. And it's just like a child yelling into a microphone, hitting the same note on a keyboard the entire time. Like, we want fun. And it's, you wouldn't necessarily think there's anything to it. I think if I was an A&R guy, I would have probably thrown it in the garbage. But then again, I do still have it on my iPod. Mm. So I do listen to it. And Don was smart enough to go, you know, this uh, this kid in the white shirt. He's got... <laughs> This kid in the white pants. He's really got something here. He doesn't with care this. when Labor Day is. It's Labor Day, right? With the white pants or Memorial Day. Yeah, so interesting that also Obituary was Andrew WK's favorite band. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but... If we ever get him in here, we have to ask him about that. I would love to get Andrew WK in here just to crack open his brain and just see what the hell's inside. Hmm. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Loudwire Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. You can get all your daily news at loudwire.com. Hit us up on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at GrahamWire. You can follow me on Instagram, because I hate Twitter, <laughs> at Ice Nerve Shatter. It's a Godflesh song. and it's, Dude, we didn't bring up Godflesh Street Cleaner for yeah, the Yeah, but they did after we bit. actually yeah. were just walking down the, yeah. the aisle to the elevators, so. and we brought up street cleaner and those and it was like oh of course like that crazy industrial that old footage just go listen to it it's just drugs yeah drugs just put into an amp oh yeah. it's great listen to that what where were they playing in that old footage 
I have no idea what club that is. I know somewhere which footage in Germany? I know what footage you're talking about. Well, Justin Broderick used to do a bunch of hallucinogens before going on stage. Yeah. And I don't know how he kept anything together. But if you watch a bunch of old Godflesh footage, odds are they're just messed up on a whole bunch of stuff. He actually had read he had his pl- his picks plated with gold. So that way the way he would do some sort of pinch harmonics had this weird sound to it. Yeah, that footage is Godflesh live in Schorndorf in mm. 1990. It's the creepiest, heaviest, weirdest live performance I think maybe I've ever seen on YouTube in just like some crappy little basement. And Broderick's shadow is on the back wall like Nosferatu. Yeah. Weird. And that's really saying something. I mean, you've gone through pretty much everything metal on all of YouTube making those loud lists. So yeah, you've very seen true. it all. Yeah. But, you know, God flesh, that's some good stuff. Yeah, so anyway, follow me on Instagram, Ice Nerve Shatter. Follow the Loudwire Instagram, because I run that thing. Yeah, very true. Thank you so much, everyone. We've got more guests for you coming soon. We appreciate you very much. Play. And play obituary on internet. Internet.